The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. G'day, trendsetters. Millsy calling in from freezing cold Darwin up here in the NT. If anyone's still listening to this podcast after last week's episode, well done. Strap yourselves in because you're in for another exciting episode of the intermediate line with your hosts, Chris and Boltsy. I cannot wait to one day clear my name against that scumbag Christopher Bates. This episode of The Intermediate Line is brought to you by Manic Tackle Project, the only company who knows fly fishing as well as you do. And Beast Brushes, Australian-made brushes and dubbing, professionally graded natural materials, plus a full shop for all of your fly tying needs at beastbrushes.com. Bloody terrible photo, but um, but I think people people in general really like you, you know, for some reason. It, it must be that they don't know you very well, I reckon. Yeah, man. Yeah, mm. must be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna try and be on my game tonight, man. But you know, we'll um, we'll get Ta- there. I'm sure. Yeah, save your energy for next week. We'll be good. Yeah, I'll save money for next week, uh, today and tomorrow, and in, just in general, I'll just save my energy, mate. Yeah. It's always good advice. Better than than spend your energy, isn't it, for anyone? Yeah, as general right. advice, I think so too. I think mm-hmm. so too. Yeah, for sure, um, mate. I believe um, you know the listeners are going to be pretty rapt to hear that you went fishing. Well, you know what? I, I hope they are. I hope they're happy for me because it's it's been a few weeks. You know, I've been head down, bum up in work, and. Um, yeah, I got a got a last minute invitation to to do a to do a raid on a on a uh, an impoundment here in southeast Queensland for some Saratoga, which got the hot tip on, and um, certainly lived up to it. We had we had a pretty brief window because I had to wake up, get there, and then uh, be back at home for kids soccer, which was one of the first games for the weekend. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a quick trip, and. Um, 
we found these toga doing something fairly oh, i won't say unique at all because uh, the techniques we use elsewhere seem to work but yeah um just cracking the pattern and change changing things to how we'd normally fish them certainly um paid paid dividends eh so okay yeah. t- tell us what you did different than uh well it's going to sound obvious in hindsight but we we had to fish a bit slower um and i was fishing uh floating line but uh and a, and a slow sinking fly in the, well it's not that slow sinking but it's not fast sinking fly that the yeezus leech on a um i was using just a regular i won't say a non-fluorocarbon leader like a regular you know mono lead right yeah. okay yeah yeah and um yeah so it was a bit bit of a sink uh slow draw pause you know slow draw slow draw pause and um and yeah sort of a lot of the hits we only we only actually got a couple of fish on uh every every hit we got connected um but yeah all the hits came on the um uh on the on the slow draw man so yeah sounds technical mate oh but, uh, yeah well we only got a couple of hours you sort of I, I watched what my mate kyle was doing and i just sort of changed changed you know made sure that uh we had two slightly separate techniques happening in, in an attempt to crack a pattern as quickly as possible. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, once again, no rocket science, but, you know, just maximising your time on the water. Um, yeah. Fishing smart and, you know, casting to places that would uh, reward the, the slow draw with pause. Yeah. Well, what sort of places reward the slow draw with pause? <laughs> it's a good question, mate. Um uh slightly slightly deeper spots of vertical cover um so those sort of edges you know weird bank edges um uh slightly deeper sections of bank mm. um yeah so that was that was the key there man you fish the edges for saratoga do you uh <laughs> this particular spot we do yeah yeah right okay yeah i've fished edges for saratoga for a long time yeah <laughs> It's funny. It works works real well, eh? Uh, in in some spots. Yeah. Uh, if I was to summarise it, and I don't want to give too much away, it, it'd be probably where, you know, some some places in dams they they feel more like a river than a dam, you know, for for whatever reason, whether it's the um the scenery. Yeah, the <laughs> the scenery. Yeah, the the uh, topography, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, but th- those open water spots, I don't know whether it's just me. I say o- open water. I mean. Um, shallow, shallow edges are, are a different kettle of fish for me. Pardon the pun. I always sort of, uh, I need, I need to see activity regularly to not lose confidence in those sort of spots. But um, you know, and that'll come with experience. But yeah, I find myself gravitating to other, other spots, man. I'm sure when you do you think? When do you think? How much longer do you think it's going to take before you get some experience, man? <laughs> That's a good question, eh? Yeah. <laughs> It was, actually, that got sent in to me. That's been getting sent in to me weekly, actually. Can you ask Volty when he's going to get some experience? Um, I just felt today was the the right time to shoehorn it in. So please please continue. Please go ahead and answer the question. Thank you. Well, that's the eternal question, isn't it? You know, mm. um, uh, you, you can take that smart-ass point of view like your mysterious listener, or you could, you could think, is that your attitude? You know, are you going to keep an open mind when you're fishing, or are you going to fall back on, on potentially making the same mistakes that you always made? Or... Mm. You know, or, or, you know, maybe it's not mistakes. Maybe it's just something that's mildly successful rather than something that's super successful. And, you know, every dog has its day. Some techniques work better on different days. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Mm. Cool. You know about yeah. yeah. What? You know what I'm talking about. Am I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, am I? Yeah, man. Yep. Smoking what I'm rolling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I am. I am picking up what you're putting down there, Volts. Uh, you know, it's always um, it's always good to go out with an open mind. That's for sure. Um, you know, things change on the day. One hundred and twenty-eight percent. Yeah. Yeah, they do. they do. Locations change, fish change, weather changes, um, time of day, light, everything. It's it's a it's a constant um, state of change. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, man. What have you been up to anyway? Oh, just um, just watching TV, um, yeah. mowing the lawn, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I went fishing last night. I uh, I got back home at two thirty a.m. I'm really, nice. I'm really enjoying, really enjoying fishing at night. I really, uh, I really much prefer it to fishing during the day for two reasons. Right. No one's around, <laughs> which is yep. great. Yep. Um, and second of all, uh, there's no sun. You know, which is, um, yeah, pretty annoying. You know, the sun's yeah. great for seeing things. I get that, but uh, yeah, just the older I get, the more I just prefer to stay out of the sun. Yeah, and away from people. Clearly. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, so what were you chasing, mate? Uh, I was chasing butterbrim and oh. um, and angelfish. Um, Ooh, you know, together yeah. they 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 have a symbiotic relationship where one points out the fly and the other one eats it, and then uh, then that right. fly that eat that fish that eats it defecates and produces a food source for the other fly, the other fish that point out the fly, and that's that's how it works essentially. So you'd think that you'd be targeting the fish that eats the fly, but no, like you you, you got a dropper for the angelfish, and uh-huh. that's what we're targeting, basically. I'm confused, man, but it sounds sounds pretty cool. Well, it, it, that was only a small part of the night, but, but for the majority of the night, I took my friend Jake out to get himself, get him his first jewfish on fly. Yep. And, um, and ticked that box off. Mission complete. It was good. Only a couple of rats, but... Um, Still, mate, it's a uh, it's a buzz to see someone tick a tick a um, a goal off. You know, um, yeah. I've I've tried to take other people out to catch their first jewfish on fly and uh, uh-huh. unsuccessfully. Yeah. Um, you know, like um, but funny man, like um, you know, some people just can't do it at all. Some people get it first go. It's really strange. And Jake was one of those guys. But oh, that's pretty good, man. I'm I'm amazed at Jake. I'm in awe of him, and I'm glad that you took him to a good spot. Nice of you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Funny man, we've been to the same spots, you and me, as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it was uh, we only. <laughs> it's tight. Yeah, it's all tide related, mate. And it's the tide sort of turned turned yeah. about uh, you know eight thirty or something like that, you know. And um, so I went to a spot where I know that they feed in in shallow water. Um, uh-huh. No, not lights. Um, you know that's that gets a bit mundane, but. Um, around bridges and stuff like that but no i found a spot where they come up into a shelf and the the water roars past in the um in the deeper water and uh it's sort of like tabletop sort of areas you know it's it's sort of like a lot stiller a lot of bait fish gets caught up there and these fish come in and do raids and you just wait till they bust up and chuck something in there man yeah hit and hope sort of thing right yeah right yep just hang off it and when you can see a bit of actions about to happen or bait fish get nervous, you, you flip in there, right? Yeah. I was only like 1% moon last night. It's a new moon tonight, I believe, the, the mm-hmm. proper new moon. But, you know, there's enough ambient light around from the, the dense, dense population that would normally be annoying the crap out of me during the day that yeah. 
it's uh you know you can see pretty well in these uh high density build up areas uh-huh yep so yeah it was good that um you know we got that done but uh but we were mixing up techniques as well i was i i started off fishing intermediate line um, yeah um, Love Love yeah that yeah yeah great great bunch of guys um and then switched to a fast sink line i yeah. started fishing a, a shrimp fly at first uh, until I saw him busting up on bait, and um, Jakey hooked up first, and he got dusted actually on his first first eat, which shut them down for a while. Oh, and um, yeah, what did he put that down to? Was it a bigger fish, or just inexperience, or what? What was the story? Yeah, look, he, um, there's a bit of structure there, and um, yeah. Jakey Jakey set the uh, yeah, put that in, inexperience technically because <laughs> he he um, he didn't. <laughs> No, well, he did all right. The next, the, he got another couple after that, and he did right. did fine. But the, on his first one, he set the hook and he, he strip striked fine. But then he lifted the rod up like he was starting to fight it over, like a lot over the rod. And the fish, those fish, unless you break their spirit right from the eat, you know they they're just they're the boss. You know, yeah, right. gotcha. really. At the end of the day, you really uh -huh. got to be on on your guard to sort of. People often say like you know like with those jewies and stuff like that like. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll get them sort of in the 90 centimetres and stuff like that, or, well, I can't speak speak for anything higher than that. Then you can catch them on an eight weight, and I know people think you're joking about this, but you take people, I take people on the boat and I show them, they're like, oh, fucking hell, look at that. But you're literally taking a rap on them. You know, you've got to got to break their spirit. Otherwise, if they think that they they can earn their freedom, they'll go three times as hard. Yeah, sure, sure. I don't know what it is about that. I don't know what why survival instincts. I mean, they go hard. Definitely, they definitely fight really hard. But mm. that survival instinct doesn't. It seems to kick. Just seems to get multiplied when they think they've got a chance. Yeah, right. You know, it's really strange. It's, that's a, that's a good bit of advice. Eh? So somebody going out for the first time or with with Jewfish, um, just just go hard, go ugly early, avoid the rush. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, sometimes there's some success stories. Like I, I remember the first time I fished with um, Andy Bolch for Jewies, and he caught a pretty nice one. And <laughs> I've said it on the show before. I just watched him just holding the rod up and just letting the line just clear off the off the deck, just so he could fight it off the reel because that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. I've I've never had a Jewfish go on the reel ever. But, um, right. I've never never let him. Like if you're literally taking a rap, there's no there's no there's nothing to get on the reel at all. Yep, you know. But, um, so in, in that instance, you were probably the far more aggressive head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's hard to adapt to that because I, I, we, we were talking to Steve Morgan. I said I'd been rim fishing and I'd been snapped off right in front of my face. Like I was fishing a rim on the, on the flat seat with like a four-pound tippet. Yeah. And it's it's just really hard to go from doing that, that mentality of, of turning a fish from going into, into snags. But I don't even need to. With this mm. stuff, with with a light tippet, like you just don't get that chance. If everything just pulls straight in a straight line on a strip strike, you know, as the, as they're eating it, it's game over. It's just straight. Oh. It's like it's it's a heartbeat sort of situation. There's no um, it's just not. There's just not enough strength in the tippet to sort of uh, let you even clamp down on it. You know, very much. You know, you know. Am I making sense? You are, mate. Yeah. It's really strange that that whole thing. You know, so you can sort of see where uh, it shouldn't. I guess if you're listening to this and we we're talking about you know setting the hook over fish. There's no real hard and fast rule as to, you know, strip striking or, or trout setting. As much as we hack on trout setting and it's frowned upon with predatory species, you know, like, you know, a lot of saltwater species as, as an example, or even um, even like freshwater species as well. 
you know, for species like um, like carp, it's probably not ideal on, you know, because the small hooks. And obviously, trout setting for trout is um, is the yeah. go. Well, you're but, using you're using quite a small hook, you know, and yeah, you're hoping that and that, light tippet. Yeah, light tippet, small hook, you know, and obviously the mouth structure of the fish comes into play too, like a a carp or a goldie or even a bastard. They got those big rubbery lips, and you know, it's pretty hard to not hook those. Mm. Uh, you know, on well, it was pretty hard for the hook to to not find a proper purchase on the way out. Bonefish would be fairly similar, a little bit, little bit harder. But yeah, well, you you fish like a, a number eight, like SL forty five or something like that. Yeah, you know, and on bonefish, there's just physically not enough, not a lot of flesh for that thing to hook to get itself around. You yeah. know, if you, if it's in the lip, so you know you got to sort of lift the rod gently to set the set the hook, but. For those brim, like I mean, it's we we know to get into light light tippets, and it's more common in conventional gear. But with conventional gear, they've got a drag set, so it doesn't. It's not going to snap the leader. But with fly, you know, mm. if you're if you're strip setting, if you see them eat, and you know they're going to set, and you're waiting to strip strike, out of habit, like there's there's no there's just no drag. It's like it's like working with an instantly locked drag straight away. You know, yeah, yep. with with four pound, which is probably three and a half pound with a loop knot. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, to be it, it actually would be a bit more than that, but you know, I think it's lefty's loop knot is seventy five percent breaking strain in fluorocarbon from memory, I believe. Yeah, yeah ninety percent actually. Sorry, ninety yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's three point nine pound typically. <laughs> three point nine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about three point three point six, mate. But yeah, is it ninety percent? Yeah, nine percent of four. Three point six is it? Something like that. I'm just making this shit up. Yeah, so no, it's, it's, it sounds legit, thing. mate. Yeah, yeah. you got to, yeah, you got to say it with confidence because no one's going to check it. <laughs> they might, or you might get some some mysterious email during the week from from some fact checking guru. We can't even put his name to it, but yeah. <laughs> if you're out there, flats ninja, let us know who you are. Yeah, just a bit of courtesy, dude. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's obviously upsetting one of us more than the other. But hey, just let us know here. Yeah, have some ball. <laughs> yep, we all remember Fig Jam. You know, it's uh, we can't we can't discount that he's come back. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yep. Um. All right. It's been a, yeah. The fishing community is full of um like fake profiles, isn't it? Really, at the end of the day, a lot of them around. Yeah, people that won't stand up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, maybe uh, maybe people like standing in the shadows, criticising, you know, not willing to put their name to anything. Um, yep. Cloaked <laughs> in, the, uh, in the armour of anonymity. Good on you, dudes. Yeah. The armour of anonymity. Yeah. That sounds like a, a, a death metal band. The armour right. of anonymity. <laughs> armour of anonymity. Heck yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, look, um, okay, well, we're going to get our guest on for the show in a moment. And if you have um, read the advertising or the promotional part of the show, you will know that we're speaking to um, Steve Peach, who um, who came came to our attention recently. I mean, we've, we've known about him for a while, but um, we, uh, we've spoken about, you know, we're not going to make the show about this, but um, we've spoken to, we've spoken to our listeners in regards to the discussion that came up on a Facebook page in regards to uh, scent. 
Yeah. Um, which enabled us to start a dialogue with Steve, and it turns out Steve uh, is, is a really nice guy and um, a really knowledgeable, knowledgeable bloke, and one thing led to another, and it led to an invite to come on the show, and it's taken a few weeks for that to happen, but um, here we Ooh. are. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. The um, Steve's a stand-up guy, and... Just said that, know, man. He's got uh, he's got a passion for sharing and, and a passion for educating and... Um, more importantly, a passion for, for getting people connected and lifting standards all around. So I'm looking forward to having a chat with Steve and, and getting a, uh, a taste for the peach. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder yeah. if he's ever been at war with, with the apricots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think the interview is going to consist of that question. But, well, let's get him on anyway, hey? All right, mate. Let's do it. Okay. All right, listeners, welcome back. And uh, on the telephone, we have Steve Peach. How are you, Steve? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. That's the way. I noticed that on um, on certain social media things, uh, platforms, you go by the name Peachy as well, mate. Is that what you prefer to be called? Are we going to... Roll with Peachy or just Steve for his show? Oh, either, either. Yeah. All right, no worries. A lot of people so, roll with Peachy, so that's, I guess that's why I used it. <laughs> uh, most, do everyone, does everyone call you Peachy, do they? Um, quite a few people, yeah. Yeah, cool. Is, is that your nickname? <laughs> I guess you'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> what hey, what else would it be? Not, not a very inventive nickname, really, is it? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I can see where they get it from. Maybe something like Plums or something like that. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> well, I have got a, a, a good mate who, uh, in primary school, uh, his nickname for me was the Scientific Apricot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had kind of crazy white hair out everywhere and uh, I was a bit of a nerd. <laughs> but fortunately, it didn't stick. The Scientific yeah. Apricot. Yeah. That's a, it is a bit of a mouthful. It's, it's not exactly like peachy or, or beachy. No. Even, no? <laughs> I, um. Peachy, before we get started, where uh, where can listeners fire up your um, uh, your socials? Where can they find you? Uh, I, I guess my main thing is YouTube. I've got a channel yep. on YouTube called Peachy Fly Fishing, uh-huh. uh, and I've just started on Instagram recently too. I've only been on there for a month or so. Um, I'm just kind of finding my way around that at the moment. Yeah, sure, sure. So, any listeners out there, do do us a favour, do Peachy a favour, and and uh, find him and. And throw him a follow because there'll be a lot more content coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, Steve, mate, uh, you're based in um, in New South Wales, in around the Sydney area, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. Uh, been in Sydney all my life and uh, been fishing at, uh, you know, the harbour since I was a young kid. Oh, yeah? Um, so, yeah, it's been really interesting to watch Sydney Harbour kind of change over my lifetime. And it, and it really has changed. Yeah, okay. For the better or worse? Uh, well, for the better, in the sense that um, they banned rec- uh, they banned commercial netting from Sydney Harbour about twenty years ago now. Mm. Um, uh, you know, as a kid growing up, I used to go down to our local beach and we'd see the commercial fishermen pull in there, you know, almost every day of the week and uh, pull their nets up on the beach and all the little you know baby brim and everything would get fed to the pelicans basically, um, and since they banned the nets, they banned the nets, by the way, because they found high levels of uh, dioxins and, and various other horrible things 
um, in the fish that uh, had come down the Parramatta River from um, <coughs> from heavy industry in in times past. But basically, since then, um, the recreational fishery is just seems to have got stronger and stronger. It's really it's really come good. It's a lot better now than it was when I was young. That's for sure. That seems to be the uh, the common consensus, really. That uh, you know, like you know, it has got better. I wasn't surprised to hear you say that. But it seems to uh, Sydney Harbour seems to have fostered a um, a pretty strong fly fishing culture, particularly in salt water. Oh well, obviously in salt water being Sydney Harbour. Uh, please yeah. forgive me there, but uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, would you say that? Would you would would you say that's your observation as well? That you know, a lot of people are very interested in 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 fly fishing around Sydney Harbour. Yeah. Ab- look, absolutely. Uh, I mean. I think I, I started fly fishing oh, around about the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was very lucky that one of the first guys that I met out on the water was Justin Duggan um, from Sydney Fly Fishing, who's an amazing um, fly fishing guide here in Sydney. And he... He's um, all right. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he sort of showed me a bit of the ropes of you know chasing kingfish and salmon uh, and all that kind of thing and i did quite a lot of that for um you know for five years or so um and yeah but even back in those days there was quite a lot of people doing it um anyway i uh i had a bit of a hiatus from fly fishing for a while when i had kids and you know family and all that sort of stuff uh and sold my boat and then when i uh when i got into a boat again and went out and started fishing. Um, the first day that I went out on the harbour, um, I saw Justin out there again um, on a school of kingfish. But this time, the word had got out on social media, and there was about fifty boats and thirty kayaks <laughs> hanging around these schools of kingfish. And it was uh, it was a particularly bad day, but it was it was a bit nuts. Mm. You know, there was um, there was a lot of people who were really chasing um, all the sort of pelagic schools getting around on the surface. So I was really looking for a different sort of style of fishing that I could do around Sydney on fly, I guess. Mm. Um, and I started um, I started focusing a little bit more on sort of more structure-based fishing, basically brim, bass, estuary perch, um, the kind of targets where there's so much structure and there's so much water in Sydney Harbour that it doesn't matter how many people are out there fishing, you can always find a place to yourself to go and fish for them. And, um, you know, and I, I really enjoy that style of fishing. So I still go and do, you know, chase pelagics sometimes. And quite often, you know, if we're out chasing brim, a school of kingfish or, or salmon or something might come past and we'll certainly target them. Mm. But, um, yeah, I find most of my time these days is spent... Um, focusing on the structure-based species. What is it about the difference between chasing the pelagics to these structure-based species that, uh, you know, is it is it more about, I mean, you mentioned that one of the reasons, God, I've done about three questions in one. Listeners will know this is a common fault as an interviewer of mine. Uh, let me just start back at the start. Um, it's interesting to hear you say that, um, you know, you, you went to change your, your interests in, in fly fishing in Sydney Harbour towards a fish that it wouldn't matter if, how, of how many people are fishing for it. Let yeah. me ask you this about that. Is is that what sustains your interest in fishing for the brim and, 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 and EPs or, or whatever, or structure-based fish, or is it was there some other um, interest that developed during, you know, 
uh, during the beginning of this um, direction? I suppose it's more that, uh, well, I guess where it had come from was that, you know, early, um, early in my sort of fly fishing career, I'd done, uh, I'd done a trip up to Cape York and I'd done a bit of fishing up there for, for Jacks and Barra and so on. And I really enjoyed it, even though I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. I wasn't very good at it. But um, I really enjoyed that sort of snag-based fishing. And, um, and I think that's what I like about it now. I like casting its structure. I like the challenge of, you know, having to work around the structure and really present the fly in the right place and in the right way in order to catch the fish. Mm. Um, whereas if you're sort of out chasing pelagics and, you know, don't get me wrong, they're great fun. Catching a big kingfish is certainly an, an awesome, fun thing to do. But it feels a little bit like uh, sometimes to me, like you could just about cast anywhere and throw out and retrieve and you'll catch a fish. And I suppose I... I I quite enjoy the casting aspect of, of fly fishing and I like having something um, something more specific to cast at, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 te- I, can, I can definitely understand your direction there. I, I, I tend to agree. Um, yeah. I've, I've been saying on the podcast recently that I'm sort of heading, I, I call it more heading towards a, 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 a grommy direction, I suppose. It's, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's, just, that's just a poor way of describing something similar. Like it's... Uh, you know, pelagics is a big part of what we do here in southeast Queensland here, particularly this time of year. And yep. you know, I got out early, got a you know, got a couple of decent fish, and didn't really have the bug that I've had in previous years to just mindlessly chase pelagics. I, I get the uh, the intricacies of of a fish that's seen a lot. It requires um, sharp casting, and yep. um, yeah, it may not be the biggest fish in the world or, or anything like that, but by no means less challenging. That's for sure. I I, I get it one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I finding the the thrill of, um, of of tuna fishing is is actually amplified. Uh, well, pelagic fishing is is amplified for me by uh, by picking off, I wouldn't say individual fish, but you know, like like Chris said, you know, throwing into a you know a, a raging mosh pit, for example. Um, yep. It's yeah, the the actual uh, satisfaction derived from. Say, for example, you know, picking off a, a fish on the edge or, or casting at an actual target. Tar- yeah, targeting yeah. or targeting a yeah. species that might be involved in undesirable species or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that? Is that what you mean? Like, I mean, like targeting long tails out of schools of max or something like that. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the yeah. bigger long tails even out, yeah. of sc- out of school size long tails. I, yeah, I get that as well for sure. Yeah, that satisfaction or, or even as, as Steve said, tar- um, you know, when you're, when you're casting in an actual – uh, you know, a target, whether it, it be a you know a, a pylon or a piece of structure or something like that, is always um, you know there, there's that little bit of extra satisfaction that comes out of a target fish, you know, a target cast like a sight fish type scenario than than maybe um, you know just just casting out and hoping for the best, you know, casting in the middle of nowhere with the expectation yeah. or the knowledge that sometime uh, something's going to eat it, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. as well, you know, before um. Before I really started targeting brim a lot, uh, I was fishing quite a lot for bass. And I think ba- it, it probably even applies more to bass right. in the sense that they, they sit very tight on structure some of the time. And often that structure is in sort of deep shade and deep cover right back in next to the bank. Um, and that's, you know, that's a style of fishing that I really love too. Just getting in the kayak and going out on a bass creek and trying to flick cicadas in you know, around all of this sort of tight cover, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It can be pretty frustrating when you're getting stuck in trees a lot, but it, it's pretty <laughs> satisfying when you get it right. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, casting out of a, uh, a sit-down kayak is is uh, is a bit of a challenge. I mean, obviously it gets easier the more you do it, like anything. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I remember the, the first time I tried it, um, it was it was a bit of a, a mind bender anyway and you know getting getting your loops uh just right um you know yeah it, it's it you have to get creative on a few things that's for sure yeah yeah absolutely and um i feel like i, I think one of the things i like about bass fishing is that i feel like it improves you as an angler it forces you to improve right yeah because you you got to take risks with your casts basically if you're not taking risks if you're not getting hung up in trees and and you know losing a lot of thighs and stuff then you're just not getting in the zone mm. so yeah, it's, but, probably, it's a bit like barrow fishing i suppose in that way kind of i i guess I, I was thinking adversely with brim like you, you can't really take the risks i suppose you know you go hang it up on a snag and paddle in there and get it off they're, they're well, like up here they're done you know yeah if you if you if they if they if they have a go at the fly and you don't set the hook and they bust you off and head back to where they're hanging out you may as well keep moving you know i mean yeah, I, to a certain degree bass is, is similar to that as well i suppose but uh i mean you can't be be hitting the water hard for brim or anything like that as well it's yeah uh, yeah I, I totally get it. i mean bass bass culture up here is i suppose is um you know in southeast queensland northern new south wales it's known for these massive bass impoundments you know and it's uh it's just easy to get drawn to that than, than the rivers i suppose it's uh yeah i grew up i grew up fishing the rivers for bass as yeah. well but i guess as as i um as i was sort of getting it i got into fly fishing around the same time as you late 90s and you know the dams were really starting to come online and a lot of big fish coming out of them it's uh it's hard to get back into the creeks that's for sure yeah I've, I've done a little bit of impoundment bass fishing and and i i do enjoy it but i must say i think i prefer the the river fishing you know the 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 creek sort of bass that we get around here are all wild fish um and they're not as big as the impoundment fish um but this sort of the whole situation and the casting and the the way you have to fish for them kind of appeals to me a bit more i think yeah yeah i i yeah i know i know what you're saying uh i'm definitely reverting back to that i guess previous to previous to the 90s you know like it's uh so early 2000s late 90s that that's all i did as well you know like from being being a very young kid so yeah. um i think i've got the impairments out of my system 20 years later now <laughs> i really want to uh, i really want to come up north actually and and target some river bass um you know up in the northern rivers of new south wales that looks pretty awesome yeah yeah, some a lot bigger rivers than, than than here. That's for sure. I mean, we got some big, big, big rivers here. They're a lot, they seem a lot deeper down there. It, it, yeah, mm. is that, there you see that as well, Volts. Like the rivers north yeah. South Wales seem deeper than, you know, like say, the Mary River here is just a really exactly. shallow, sandy creek. You know, deep, river. deeper and more uh, more perennial flow. Like it seems to flow a lot more. Particularly, I'm I'm thinking of the Clarence here, and yep. you know that has a massive, massive catchment, and a lot of it's in wilderness. Um, yeah. You know, so it, and in mountains, so it does pull a lot of a lot of moisture both from rain um, and from you know water table and and it's clean water too because it, a lot of the catchment is uncleared um, yeah. and uh, it is a spectacular wilderness river. Uh, that's something that should be on everyone's everyone's to do list. The um, the Clarence area, yeah, yeah, Good. absolutely, mm. stunning stuff. Hey, uh, mate, you said in uh, while well, we're warming up to the show that you're involved with the Sydney Fly Riders as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do you What do you do there? Um, I'm just on the committee. Um, so my main role at the moment is to organise the speakers for the monthly meetings. Um, and we've started 
videoing the presentations now from speakers and mm-hmm. sort of building up a bit of a library for the for the club members um, to watch, which is an interesting kind of new direction for us as a club. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Steve, I've got a question. I, I love – I personally love clubs. I love how they, um, uh, you know, how they bring people together. I love together. clubs. <laughs> Sorry, I just said an anchorman <laughs> quote right there, you know. I love lamp. Yeah, well, I, I like I love what they stand for, and I love how they uh, they get people involved. Um, but yeah. you know, is is there something? What what drives you to become uh, to join a club, obviously, and and what drives you to take that step further and get on the committee? Well, you know, it was interesting sort of journey for me. I um, got into clubs basically pretty late in in my fly fishing career. Mm-hmm. I remember going along to one of the Sydney Florida's meetings when I just started out, um, you know, 20 years ago or more. And I, I went to one or two meetings, but I didn't really stick around, um, I suppose, because I was just doing my own thing and fishing my own way. And um, after, uh, you know, I started getting a bit more of my fishing time back when the kids got a little bit older and so on, um, I, I had this real kind of resurgence of interest in, in fly fishing. And um, I didn't really have many fishing buddies to go and fly fish with. So I'd moved out to Western Sydney and actually the first club that I joined wasn't even a fly fishing club. It was yeah. a bass club called Bass Sydney um, because I knew that bass were my kind of locally available species i had a kayak uh, and i thought were you out near the nepean yeah yeah yep. the hawkesbury nepean so i yep. thought well rather than join a, a fly fishing club I, i'll join a club that really knows a lot about this species and try and learn about them um mm. and that was uh i'm still a member of bass sydney it's a terrific little club actually um and uh you know i fish with the guys all the time they're almost all lure fishermen but i just fish fly alongside them and yeah, and have a great time doing it. Um, so I had a good experience with joining that club. And then I thought, well, I should give the Sydney Florida's a, a look. Um, so I went along to a couple of meetings, yep. um, quite enjoyed it, ended up joining up. And um, I think the real, probably the real turning point for me was going away on a, on a club trip. So the first one that I did, I think, was down to Long Plain in the Snowy Mountains. Right. Um, and when you go on a go away on a trip with the club members, you really get to know some of the other members, and you start to make friendships, and that's when it all really comes together with clubs, I think, and, and um, enemies too. Like I know when from my experience <laughs> with clubs, you know, like, <laughs> you know, some people have got some hygiene habits in some of the clubs up here that you know I'm reluctant to talk about on air. Um, but you know, it's just all part and parcel of human interaction. It's why I fish at night. <laughs> for sure and look yeah. you know yeah. i mean I, I have heard stories of you know lots of politics happening internally in clubs and people having falling outs and so on but i guess yep. I've, I've been lucky so far and i haven't encountered that yet um all of my sort of experience with the clubs has been really positive mm. yeah that's fantastic mate so um yeah getting getting involved in them is is something you know i, I personally am not a member of a club right now um mm-hmm. But I, I just don't have the spare time. You know, I struggle each week, as you know, <laughs> to find to to <laughs> schedule to get schedule stuff in. You know, it literally comes down to, you know, an hour or two here and there. Um, you know, and yeah. um, as a as a father, my, my my boys are nine and seven. You know, like I'm sort of um, 
mm-hmm. you know, I feel sort of duty bound to, you know, commit time to, to you know, their their sort of sporting activities and also, you know, the, any school committee that, you know, I feel like I can offer value to, but, yeah, you know. You get it, mate. You don't, you don't fish anymore. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's why I'm saying it. I just... <laughs> you know, I just got to prioritise. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any, any chance I get? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I should. You know, let's do any chance I get to um, make Velty feel bad about not fishing as much as you know humanly possible. <laughs> I, I take that opportunity. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah, mate, all I can oh, say no, is it, it gets it gets easier when they get older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. I hope so. But um. Yeah, it's, it's not not once has it been something I regretted, but it's just you know the the choice I made. But the um... should have got a TV, mate. <laughs> 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 you know, I use that joke on people all the time, eh? Um, you know, particularly when they go for their third kid. You know, yeah. so <laughs> get a TV. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, Steve, I'm lost, mate. Um, yeah, what I was leading to was uh, you know the. Clubs clubs seem to rely on um, uh, well they, they thrive best when there's uh, when there's people who aren't involved in in any sort of petty politics or, or commercial interests and and also have a have a passion for sharing um, yeah. Yeah. And, and developing skills um, you know and obviously that's something um, you know Chris and I in, in that regard you know I sort of I'd hold my head high and say oh, I don't I don't have a commercial interest Chris does like it's his it's his you know puts a roof over his head but. You know, he's, it wouldn't come close to the amount of time that we have to put into this. Um, and, you know, that, that sharing is, is something that, you know, I, I feel that, you know, you've, you've, um, you've done well for yourself there, mate. So we're looking at your YouTube channel now. Um, what, uh, how many videos are you up to? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe 30 or 40. I, 40 yeah. yeah. don't know. Yeah, right. And um, with that, give us give us a bit of an overview. What sort of I see, see you're splitting into playlists. What sort of things have you have you got in there? Uh, I've just got a bunch of stuff. There's there's not really any plan to it, to be honest. Right. <laughs> it's just sort of whatever I enjoy doing at the time. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a bit of bass on there. There's a bit of brim on there. There's a bit of trout on there. Um, there's soon going to be a bit of, uh, you know, sort of Northern Territory, um, barra and, and tropical species on there. There's a bit oh, of spay, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's a bit all over the place, really. Yeah, we want to talk about that trip in a minute, but um, but we'll hang on the YouTube thing for a bit, that's for sure. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of diversity in your in your channel there, you know. Like, um, you know, it, it ranges through species and also, you know, the type of content. It's all fly fishing, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got some fly tying demos there. I see a knot demo there as well. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of trout, a lot of brim, a lot of, a lot of, um, and a lot of. Oh, there's bass there as well. A lot of bass, I should say. Um, so, which, which, uh, which, which genre gets the best reaction? I mean, you must be watching the, um, the, uh, the reactions and stuff like that from from your admin side. Um, what? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I think. Um... I think the one that's probably got the most views, funnily enough, is just a silly little video about how to tie a dropper leader <laughs> for right. um, for Euronymphing. Right. Um, it's it's just sort of a handy little tip. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it all gets attention from from different people. Um, Euronymphing seems to get a bit of attention. Trout's Bay has got a little bit of attention. I haven't done that much on Trout's Bay, but 
that's got quite a lot of views, I think, from memory. Can I you see, see the gear, gear review there too on a rod? It's Trout's Bay. Yeah, yeah. I've done yeah one or two little bits talking about gear. It's not something that I've done a whole lot of yet. Can you see going back to the um, the nymphing and the and the spay? Can you can you see where your traffic's coming from there? Is it um, is it Australian? A lot of it's uh, I think a lot of it about fifty percent of it is Australian, and the other fifty mm -hmm. percent is probably mostly US and maybe a little bit of Europe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you get a lot of feedback directly in regards to that that subject matter? To trout spay, did you say? Yeah, the spay and the the. Um, yeah, the the double well, the double handed sort of gear. I guess I was going to put check yeah. nymphing in there as well, but it's uh, not really part of it, is it? Really? No, not really. Yeah. Um, forgive me, mate. I, I very rarely get into New South Wales. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. So, but I'm learning, and I'm I'm, I'm open minded to it. That's for sure. Just want to be clear. Speak speak um, safely, mate. It's all good. Yeah. Look, the two handed <laughs> stuff. The two handed stuff has had a, a fair bit of interest. Um, and. Uh, you know, obviously, there's there's been a bit of a spike in interest generally in Trout Spay in the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, you do see a few things um, sort of springing up about that. I went to a really good uh, weekend, actually, that Peter Morse did on Trout Spay um, last year. Uh, and that was that was great. Morse is just incredible with the two-handed stuff. Mm. Um, but it's something in Australia that, you know, we don't have a huge number of rivers that are really suitable for Trout's Bay. It's probably just a handful of the bigger tailwaters that really suit Trout's Bay itself. But there's a lot of uses for them, I think, in kind of estuary and light saltwater fishing as well. Um, so I, I certainly do a lot of brim and flathead, just walk and wade fishing with the with the spay rod, which, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I think um, the interest, uh, some of the interest, probably in Australia, would be from the the two handed aspect of it. You know, the 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 um, the spay casting as opposed to the spay fishing style, like a swinging sort yeah, of. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, like um, you know, guys that are fishing, um, uh, you know, like I mean, as example, like uh, our former co-host Andy Bolch was um, introduced me to some 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 very attractive. Um, you know, roll casting techniques and single-handed space stuff as well, you know, which which made me look further into the double-handed, you know, spay, spay casting techniques and stuff like that. And, and when you start to see what's possible with that, um, you know, I never never considered it for swinging. It's not until I, I started to talk to Nick Stewart um, a bit more about it, who's, who's mm. phenomenal at it, you know, at uh, um, and those techniques and stuff, but that I started to realise. Because, I mean, Nick's done... Nick will probably, I don't know. I mean, Nick, Nick would probably walk over a million bass and brim to just just go spend one day doing that in New Zealand. You know, it's like swinging. You know, but um, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah, because I've seen him fish lures, and we've seen you fish lures, Nick. There's no hiding it, mate. Okay, you, you, you can't so you can't call yourself flycraft while you got lures on your page, mate. Get them, get them off. Come on. Uh, <laughs> sorry, mate. Some of the things we say on this show are for some people's ears only, and that was definitely one of them. So get shout to Nick. Um, <laughs> but you know like um i guess you know like it'd be great to see it'd be great to see it taken off and i guess you know channels like your like yours with the um displaying these techniques uh, in a in an easy to digest fashion is uh, is a really good thing mate you should be should be pretty proud of that and i guess you would be right um yeah look i mean i, I just I, I like sort of sharing my experience i suppose mm. um and you know there are obviously some you know amazing two-handed casters out there guys like you know morsey and brian henderson and people like that um 
who are just sort of incredible at the technique. I'm, I'm a much more basic <laughs> sort of level of, of spay casting than those guys. But, um, you know, I think there's room for people to kind of get out and share that kind of stuff on on YouTube and, you know, just say, hey, you know, get out and give it a go. It's good fun. Um, it's not that hard. You know, mm. give it a try. And it's really, it's really useful. Well, there's not probably not a lot of, um, well, I haven't seen a lot of content, Australian content in regards to it on YouTube. No, that's that's right, and um, that I suppose that was one of the one of the reasons that I I started the YouTube channel was because, um, you know, I do watch a lot of YouTube and I, and I like consuming a lot of fly fishing content, and I I couldn't see very much Australian content on there. Um, so I thought in, in well, general, overall, you mean? We're just overall, yeah, 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 yep, that's true. There's there's not a lot, eh? No, there's not. So is this a, is this channel like a uh, like a vlog for you or is it or is it a, a how to base more so? It's a bit of everything, really. It's just yeah. Um, I I didn't really have a clear purpose in mind. I think when I set out doing this, it's really just something that I've done for fun. Primarily, I just enjoy doing it. Um, and when I watch um, sort of fishing videos, I think there's nothing worse than just watching somebody fishing with a, a forward-facing camera and there's no dialogue or, or anything. It's just people catching fish. That's mm. um, uh, kind of boring <laughs> to yeah, watch. Yeah. Sure, so really. I thought, well, I, you know, I need to incorporate some kind of narrative in there. Um, and I guess exactly what format that is and what that is is still evolving. Some people say in our vlog, we spoke too much. <laughs> <laughs> I felt as though I spoke too much on there. I really wished for now that I didn't reveal that I got seasick, you know. That's, uh, <laughs> you that really, copped a pounding about that. I eh? copped a massive pounding about that, mainly from people who saw what they want to see and not uh, understanding what really went on, even though it was explained a <laughs> hundred times over. Anywho, <laughs> it was all really fun. Oh, um, I, think if, you, I think you exposed a vulnerability, you know. And oh, look, man, I'm, uh, yeah, look, I'm not beat up about it. It's all good, you know. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound like it, yeah. <laughs> no. First of all, you'd have to have respect for the people that are saying that to really care what they say, yeah? and I don't, so there's that. I think there was uh, some kind of medication or something involved, wasn't there, Chris? There was, mate. It was um, ex expired medication. It's, uh, right. don't, do it, don't do it, kids. Well expired, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like two years expired. <laughs> I just felt as though it was very Aussie of me to, to, to not read the label, you know? <laughs> I, I think i think that's not australian i think that's what men all over the world do mate so is it right okay yeah, it's, it's a global male phenomenon it's it's one of those things you know we don't read instructions and and you know little things like directions for for tablets and medications it's just not for us you know we know better that's it we're indestructible and nothing bad will happen yeah. correct bad could possibly happen yeah <laughs> Hey, um, Steve, I've got a question for you, um, and this is sort of like, you know, I don't say personal, but for, for me, before the um, before the podcast started, for us, you know, one of my biggest fears was, was uh, you know, exactly the scenario Chris spoke about where, you know, people either pass judgment or people, you know, it feels like sometimes people want to see you trip over publicly yep. so they can they can laugh at, <laughs> laugh at you. Was that something that concerned you before uh, embarking on your YouTube journey? I suppose, yeah, I suppose so, a little bit. I guess every, you know, nobody likes to be criticised. That's um, right. Uh, but it's something that 
um, you know, I think I've probably got better at public speaking over the years and just, you know, I, I think there's benefit in sometimes in putting yourself out of your comfort zone and just getting used to it and going, okay, well, maybe not everybody is going to love what I do, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to get out there and do it. And, you know, and if I cop some flack, well, you know, that's just goes with the territory. So, so what, you know, just the way it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. believe us, mate, we, we know what it's like to cop flack. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Mate, you you, you led at the beginning there of I was I was talking about this YouTube that we're expecting to see some um some did you say Tiwi Island footage? Yeah, yeah. So I've got a I've got a hard drive half full of footage at the moment, and I, I've started editing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, as um yeah, the editing probably takes three times as long as the actual fishing, unfortunately, which is probably the reason why I have haven't been terribly consistent with uh, releasing videos all that often it's something that i need to work on i think yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah man it's uh it takes well that's yeah you're right like it's even even that vlog that that we did uh i mean that took i mean that that took me four hours or something i had to edit 15 minutes or something like that it was some maybe not about three hours or something like that. but it was a it was a, a disproportional amount of time for how long it it airs for that's for sure so you know if you've got a hard drive full half full of footage mate i guess you need to allocate a weekend <laughs> Yeah, I've got like I think I've got nine days of fishing there. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Steve, can I ask a question, mate? Do do um um when when you're setting out to do these videos, is there is as much planning happen? Like, do you think do you go out with the intention of filming um you know filming an actual episode? I mean, obviously you do because you you've got. You've got your your filming apparatus on board with you, yep. but do you do you visualise what the finished product's going to look like? Do you have an idea in your mind, you know, what it's going to look like and and what shots and and scenes you're going to need to film? Um, not really. <laughs> I probably should. Um, I guess I you know I try to shoot uh, a little bit of B roll sometimes, but it's probably something I'm I'm not very good at yet. But no, I, I think more than anything, I probably just react to whatever the fish is whatever the fishing is doing you know yeah um especially with with trout and that sort of stuff you know you really don't you might have an idea of what you think the fish are going to do but the fish might have different ideas so you just got to sort of go with the flow and uh and adapt to whatever happens i guess um i i sort of travel with pretty basic um camera gear i just got a couple of gopros generally one strapped to my chest and one tiny little one on a little tripod so yeah, I try, I try to take it with me a lot of the time when I go fishing, and sometimes I'll I'll get good footage and I'll get stuff that I think, oh, that'll make a good episode. Yeah. Um, but then inevitably there's a lot of stuff that I don't get time to edit where I look back at it and I go, oh, yeah, it was okay, but it might not be the most interesting episode. So it, it ends up on the cutting room floor, I guess. Which, yeah. Which it, probably, sorry, mate, you go. I, I was just I was just going to say that that'll get that that approach that that down to earth organic approach makes it makes it interesting to watch and makes it yeah. genuine too you know it's uh you know that for the like i said i haven't i haven't watched all the videos but um I've, I've watched a couple of them and the ones that i've seen are very um very genuine seeming you know thanks no worries you're welcome yeah I, i'd agree mate and i also <laughs> you know I, I find it hard to fake authenticity like it you know and i think authenticity and credibility are hand in hand with with these sort of productions you know if, if you're sort of you know, faking 
your, your personality or your you know you're trying to misrepresent a situation you know it's it's really visible it's really hard to cover that up unless you're professionally sort of trained at you know um, <laughs> presenting or you got a resting bitch face or whatever you know <laughs> something you can fall back on but you know i see i see some vloggers on youtube some fishing vloggers and they've got this unnatural smile you know like and yeah. you know you, you know i know they're trying hard i'm not not being critical of them but part of me is like dude, I know you just want to unleash here or, you know, drop an F-bomb or some shit, you know, like, but they're, they're, they're fighting it hard, you know. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, and it just doesn't look natural, you know, and then because it doesn't look natural, you're like, what else are you holding back on, you know, like it's sure. it's sort of one of those, you know, it's maybe human nature, I don't know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you, you seem to you come across pretty well in these videos, that's for sure. Well, certainly got no acting training, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, mate, let's, let's circle back to the um, to the Tiwi trip, mate. Tell us, yeah. tell us about how that went. Well, it, it was awesome. Um, basically, what happened was my uncle um, uh, was a he was a marlin boat skipper up in um, Nelson Bay. Um, funnily enough, you, you mentioned Dean Butler earlier. He actually took Dean Butler out chasing marlin on fly at one point, I believe, on his boat. Yeah, well. um, but uh, anyway, he's uh, he's 82 now, um, and his son, my cousin, is also a keen fisherman. Um, so they had a trip planned up there, and they asked me if I wanted to come along, and of course I just jumped at it. I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, so they're both lure fishermen. Um so it was, yeah, it was really interesting. I've done a fair bit of sort of fishing around Sydney on, on the boat with lure fishermen. I've got a lot of mates who I go out with and, you know, they'll chuck lures for brim and, I, and I'll chuck flies beside them. Mm. Um, but I hadn't done it up north before. So Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really interesting. We had a great trip, caught lots of fish. Um, my cousin caught a huge barra. It was 95 centimetres. Fantastic oh, that's a, fish. That's a great wild fish, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. Um, I The best that I did on the barra was about 70 or Still so. a great fish, that's for sure. Yeah, still a great fish. Um, mm. I think one of the challenges that I discovered up there of, of fishing fly alongside lures is that, especially in the dirty water, when you're sort of hitting the, the drains and, and the runoff and all of that, um, if you're chucking a fly up into a drain and then the guy beside you is chucking a big paddle tail or a hard body up in there, uh, it, it's a bit hard to compete because they're just creating so much more vibration and noise. Um, mm. So I was getting shots at fish uh, and I was catching fish, but they seemed to be getting the bigger ones. <laughs> than yeah, I was. right, okay. I, I, I got numbers, but but they got the big ones, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, it's always it's always tricky to know how to plan for a trip with fly selection as well. Yeah, you know, in that in that circumstance, I mean, it's I mean, it's you could you could very well and and understandably put it down to to vibration, but I mean, at the same time, it could be sink rate. You know, so they could be in fishing hardways that are suspending or slowly rising, or or, yeah, or uh, you know, like a, a a soft plastic that's got a jig head, like you know, half an ounce that's just bombing straight to the bottom. You know, you know, I mean, yeah. there's there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of differences there, but I mean, vibration yeah. is is definitely a, is definitely a big one, that's for sure. You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there but, is, um, there yeah. is. And look, you know, Chris, thanks for uh, you know for your help with fly selection for that, mate. It, it, you know, it was really invaluable, and um, I tied up a whole bunch of patterns from some of the ones that you suggested. The um, I found the tarpon toads were were really good. Oh, cool! Yeah, the great. Were great, and the bendbacks were great. Yep. 
Um, ben backs are pretty stress free, aren't they? Like you can just put them anywhere and yeah, yeah keep, keep they, talking. Yeah, they were great. And the things. Um, and then after after Melville, we had uh, five days uh, just out of Darwin at Dundee Beach. Um, yeah. And that was mainly shore-based fishing. We were just doing uh, walking along the shore, fishing from from the headlands and the beaches. At and, Dundee um, itself, or or in Barno? Uh, Dundee itself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was surprisingly good, actually. Um, you know, we we had some, we caught lots of fish there. We had some good shots at Barra right along the beaches and the headlands. Um, I got uh, busted up big time by a Barra practically on the shore. It was just about at my feet, and it hit the fly so hard that it snapped the leader completely off, and the, and the fly line came back and hit me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to leave a mark. Yeah, yeah, it, it gave me a good whack. Um, it, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty tough trip on gear. I, I managed to break three fly rods in ten days. Whoa! Which was painful. I, I think that's more fly rods than I've broken my entire fly fishing career. Yeah, right. Self-inflicted or on fish? What, what? Uh, yeah, combination of both. Mainly just self-inflicted bloody stupidity. Trying to grab leaders, trying to you know, uh, I had a, an estuary cod sort of take me in, into a hole and, and I just sort of loaded up the rod and snapped it. Just stupid, stupid stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was basically left with um, I was basically left with only a seven weight at the end of the week, um, and on the the second last day that I was there, uh, I was fishing some rocks off Dundee, and there was uh, a few little trevally. Well, they weren't that little; they were probably you know fifty centimeters or so, playing around um, with the fly almost at my feet, and um, and then a big big trevally came from behind them, knocked them out of the way, and ate the fly, um, and took off. It, it just took off, and I was only on the seven weight. I didn't have a, I didn't have you a hope. It was very uh, brief and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> That's like crazy, sometimes, mate. sometimes those fish that you lose like that are the ones that uh, stick with you the, the longest. Oh, I, I reckon. Totally, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a big part of fishing. It's, it's not. It's it's funny. It's it's not it's not fun at all when it happens, but it's such a big part of your memories of fishing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think they're the opportunity. Those missed opportunities are the ones that are more likely to bring you back too. Yeah, you totally. Know? You know, the job hasn't been completed yet. You got to go back and relive it, so to speak. Was it uh, sight fishing in that area, mate, or was it sort of like that target fishing you're talking about? There was a bit of both. Um, yeah. We uh, particularly the first sort of couple of days that we we were there, there was a big full moon, and. Um, on the high tides, we were seeing Barra cruising along the beaches, right up along the edge, you know, only probably a couple of metres offshore with with their fins out of the water. Um, and that wow. Was, that was pretty extraordinary. So, you know, we had a few shots at them. My cousin hooked one, another one that would have been in the 90s off the beach at, um, at Dundee, which was yeah. <laughs> pretty incredible, really. Wow. Um, place seems like it's crawling with Barra. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, well, on those high tides, we, we definitely um, had some shots. I think once the tides sort of started settling down more into the neeps, um, the barra started to disappear. But we got lots of other species. We got lots of queenies and trevally and salmon and all those kinds of things. Mm. Wow. Is this um, much local knowledge involved here, mate? Like were, you, were your cousins, were they locals or did you just rock up? And... No, I didn't. Um, well, the only local knowledge that uh, that I managed to get was from Starlow, actually. 
um, yeah. I asked him about the trip um, up there because he, uh, his wife is from Darwin and he lived up there for a few years. So he yeah. kind of gave me a few tips about, you know, targeting some of the headlands and so on around there. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, he spent a lot of, yeah, he did spend a bit of time. He got a world record queenie up there. It was yeah. a pretty big one. Yeah. Oh, that thing, that thing looked unnatural. Yeah. It looked like he swam over from Chernobyl, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had a pretty aggressive head. It was really <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> It did, eh? That underslung jaw. Yeah, as far, as, as, far as the queenfish goes, it was very Robert Mills, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it. Uh, he had it uh, taxidermied. He's got it on his wall, actually. It's, it's oh, really? Impressive beast, oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. He did yeah. a big wall. Bloody Isn't that hell. funny? We're talking about a queenfish and Robert Mills, yet we've got another wax sculpture there of a queenfish. You know? <laughs> it's not really wax. It's just I can just see it all tying in, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> it's really strange. Yeah. It's, uh, Interesting. Yeah, it is. It is very. It sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a great trip. I don't know. I don't know if you've listened to some of the shows previously. Steve, where we were hacking on Robert Mills, but um, <laughs> but um, if you haven't, you should be going over the top of your head. But if you, if you have, but uh, yeah, listen to la- last yeah. week's very average show. You get a- oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've listened about halfway through it so far. It's still on. The oh, okay. Play yeah. yeah, we had a bit of a holiday on that one. Yeah. <laughs> In attitude and professionalism. <laughs> mate, yeah. uh mate look uh one of the reasons um i mean the whole catalyst to get getting you on was uh was a recent chat that 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 happened on facebook that yep. surrounded something that happened that we spoke about on uh on this show yeah um you know and um you know like that was a that was a pretty healthy discussion i mean like there was there was a lot of uh tangents either side of that healthy discussion on there i guess you could say yep. but it hasn't really gone away from us and you know, well, we, we intended to get you on and we asked you to come, uh, well, we asked you to come on a bit later than we intended to, but we saw you were going away and yeah. stuff like that and left it. But you know, we did talk about getting you to come on the show shortly after that happened. We just didn't make the time until recently, but you know, through being slack and the time that's like, it's, um, that's taken, um, you know, the conversation still gets brought up consistently, you know, and it's, um, and that is the, uh, yeah. The, the the um the subject of scent and i wonder yeah. if that if that i mean it's it's great to bring up these healthy discussions within within fishing i mean things evolve and people's yeah. attitudes evolve and and change or or, or are even shaped based on these sort of discussions but um uh i've just i've totally just drawn i don't know what happened there man <laughs> I, I think i think it's because i finished fishing last night at 2 30 that my oh chris i think you just said enough words but because i've totally forgotten where i was going but essentially, <laughs> you brought up you brought you you referenced the show that we we spoke about it on the on the on the brim on fly page, and yep. it did it. It sparked a lot of healthy discussion. It sure did. It mm. sure did. It was a pretty pretty long thread, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, <laughs> it absolutely was. I mean, there was a, there was a lot of there was a lot of when when people were at um, putting their input in, yep. there was a there was a lot of um, a lot of valid points being made. You know. Um, yeah, so that's, totally. that's for sure. When when people when people were just um, I mean you were you were, in that discussion you were quite we were impressed the way that um the way you you handled it you know and obviously we've spoken about that before because you know, like the conversation went to private message between all, us three shortly yeah. after that, um, but you know you're quite clear in saying that you know like uh you know like no no one was you weren't attacking us we, we weren't attacking any, you or anything like that it wasn't anything like no. that at all it was just um 
it was this discussion become, but man, hasn't it polarized people? Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. Um, it's a really interesting question, the whole thing, and and you know, I've it, it's really made me think a lot more about the subject. Um, mm. uh, you know, I think you're the podcast that I listened to where you guys were talking about it. It really made me think about what I was doing on the page. You know, I mean, as you, uh, as I sort of said in the thread, basically, um, I'd. I'd done a fly tying video on uh, on the brim pattern that I use. It's a, a shrimp pattern. Um, and in that video, I talked about how, you know, I sometimes use scent on it in certain situations for brim because I think that they're, they're really sensitive to it. Yeah, um, right. I, I haven't seen that video. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll watch it to, to see what, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yep. yeah. So anyway, I, I'd done some other brim videos where I was catching, you know, catching brim and so on. Um, and I guess what the podcast really made me think about and realise was that I, I needed to be more specific about telling people if I was using scent in catching those brim. Um, so, you know, I, I suppose in my mind I'd kind of covered it before. I'd done a video about how I fish and what I use, but I guess maybe that wasn't enough and I need to be a lot clearer about it and tell people, you know, if I'm out there and I'm catching brim, if I'm going to use scent on a fly, well, I better tell people about it at the time. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting take on it, you know, like it because it is something that we've we've you know like it's uh, we've been pretty clear about our, our, our stance on it, and and in no way, shape, or form we you know I'm sure I can speak on behalf of you, Volts, in saying that you know in no way, shape, or form are we trying to uh, force people into into a way of thinking that 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 we adopt, you know, in that respect. Yeah. But that what that was a byproduct of that, you know, in like that that you, that wasn't intentional. I mean, like. It's funny, like the, the discussion when it originally came up when we were talking to um, Sam Hine in regards to that was was it wasn't really um, that something that said was just a passing kind of a passing subject, you know, really I suppose. But then it really it was an unusual uh, topic to 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 come out of that show that really you know stood head and shoulders above everything else, you know. And yeah. a byproduct of that was like what you just said there was you know we we sort of. The more it got discussed on previous shows, and the more we talked about it off the show, was, you know, like I mean, people do do it, do whatever you you, you feel you want to. I mean, we explained um, <clears throat> our points of view in regards to you know rules with with fly fishing and and, yep. and 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 approaches to it that that suit you know some people, but at the end of the day, it's that deceptiveness. Like if for not so much intentional deceptiveness, and deceptiveness is probably the a wrong word, you know, especially in your case, too. I mean, geez. How 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 much are you like? You can see on your YouTube channel, and and you know, like you only have to see your inter interaction online to know that you're willing to be as, as open and frank about what you do in that circumstance. So deceptiveness is, is an incorrect word sure. for, for in that circumstance. So it doesn't. It's not a blanket term in regards to people that don't reveal that they use scent. But it is interesting that um, that it's come about, and and you know, it probably is something that that people should reveal. I suppose for the sake of caring about people's progression within the sport and their their perceptions of, of their own progress yeah, you know if sure. if if scent is in fact gonna make that much of a difference and and the jury's out on that in itself yeah. but it is it is it's definitely not a disadvantage let's let's put it that way you know whether sure. it's becoming a massive advantage you know that yeah. that's the one that's that's you know that's something that would have to require a a, a test i guess you could say you know someone yeah. fishing alongside someone yeah. You know, or, or the same angler, like, you know, fishing the same stage of tides, same place. You know, it's, it's hard to yeah. tell because you, you can't exactly go in and bomb a snag with a, a, sna yeah. a fly without scent and then, then go back and expect the same result with scent yeah. because you could have spooked every fish on that snag. 
Yeah, exactly. There's no way to really scientifically test these things. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I think the thing for me is, you know, I sort of see, uh, I, I don't, you know, use scent for any other species other than brim. I, I guess I kind of view brim as a bit of a special case. I mean, one of the uh, one of the sort of rites of passage, if you like, of fly fishing in Sydney is one of the first things that you'll you'll do when you're learning the sport is go down the Narrabeen Lake with a loaf of bread and some bread flies, mm-hmm. um, and burley up some brim and mullet and and catch them on bread flies, you know, with burley. Mm-hmm. Um, so brim are this, you know, they're a really interesting species in the sense that in some situations they can be relatively straightforward to catch. And in other situations, they can be really, really difficult. Um, so Sydney Harbour has got a lot of uh, like really varied structure. Um, it's pretty amazing fishery in that way, in that you could be fishing at the Harbour Bridge, uh, you know, around heavy sort of industrial structure and ferries whizzing past you and everything. Uh, and then 20 minutes up the river, you can be in a mangrove in a, in a creek somewhere fishing snags with not a house in sight. Um, pretty incredible that way um but i guess what i've found is that there's a big difference between catching the brim up the river that are on snags and in flowing water versus catching the brim that are down further down in the harbor in the really oceanic water that's a lot clearer doesn't have the same sort of tidal flow um and they can be really spooky and difficult down there Mm. and um my my feeling is that they've got a lot of time to inspect the fly down there and you can do everything right but they can just come out really really slowly and inspect it and if they don't like what they see or smell well they're just going to not be interested so i suppose for me scent is a way that i can go out and do the kind of fishing that i like to do which is targeting structure um on that lower section of the harbour uh, and still catch fish, you know, have a reasonable expectation that I'm going to go out and have a good day. Um, yeah. the, uh, I guess that's really my reason behind using it. And I, I do think it makes a bit of a difference in those situations where you can do everything right, but at the end of the day, the brim has got so much time, they're going to look at it, they're going to, you know, flare on the fly kind of right behind it. And, if, you know, if they don't like what they see or smell, they'll just turn around. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I guess for me, it's just a way of going out and having a fun day's fishing and, and catching some fish. I, I think that's I think that's fair enough there, Steve. I think I think you've, you know, put forth your case pretty well. I'm going to I want to say something here that um, um, but I just look, you know, I, I just wanted to come across the right way because, I mean, like if it's. Of yeah. its bat, like it could become. Like, essentially, I, I, I can respect it. I can understand it. And if we're yeah. fishing in a boat next to each other, I'd be like, "Yeah, go fill your boots." I don't care. I definitely wouldn't <laughs> be like, "We're not talking to each other again." But I disagree. You know, I guess that that'd be my stance on it. And I guess I'm only offering that as a as a balanced discussion. Sure. Um, and just sort of stick to my points that I've made on the show before. Yeah. But you can see how I, I tried to prelude that in saying that I hope it comes across the right way. You know. You, yeah, it's no, a pretty no. strong word to come across and go, I disagree without someone, you know, I, and I know you're not, but I mean, I don't want people to get their back up in regards to that either, you know, either, you know, it's just, um, it's just, it's just me and the way that I've, I've done it. I guess, uh, I don't really want to 
put put forth a case backwards because like I can definitely understand. I guess if we we're on the boat the same day fishing those oceanic brim like yeah. that, I could imagine that scenario where you know like you and I might have similar flies out in the water putting yeah. similar casts in and both getting a similar result. And you know a, a, through trying and through um, through frustration. You know, you, you like you, you know. Well, it might not be us, but one bloke might say to the other bloke, you know, like I'm just I'm going to try and put a bit of scent on there. Uh, and if I was in that situation, I'd be like, yeah, sure, no, yeah, fair enough, you know, no worries at all. Yeah, but I don't. I think I still think that if um, and if that scent started to have a better reaction than than my flies, um, or you know that I had, I'd probably I'd probably be really happy for you for catching fish, you know. I'd probably be getting along, taking photos, all that sort of stuff. I still don't <laughs> think that I'd I'd put it on. I'd probably. I'd yeah. probably, I seem to, I seem to find fishing. I guess this is, I guess I'm explaining this as a bit of a tangent to what I'm saying to yeah. people who are listening to this to that might, you know, might, might be, might be sort of, I don't know, on the fence with the whole thing and stuff, just to give a balanced perspective, I guess you could say, um, yeah, sure. more, more than anything else. But, um, I think that, uh, I think for me, like for myself, like, I would, I wouldn't rate my results based on that one day. You know, I might plan to go back another two times that week or, Maybe yeah, another time in that fortnight with a different selection of flies and um, yeah. see how that works. And if that skunks, then go back again. And then, man, if I go back four or five times and I don't get neat, well, then, hey, I just consider them to not have mouths, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> by osmosis. You know, yeah. I, what, yeah. I, I guess what I can tell you is that those fish in the lower harbour are, yeah, they are. They're very, very tough. Oh, no no doubt. I can't begin to understand them, Steve, to be honest with you, because I've never fished Sydney Harbour. You know, I guess... um. I guess I, I mean, you're talking about a situation that you're familiar with and, and have lived that experience. I'm, I'm offering a, a, a different perspective based on a hypothetical situation. You know, yes. so yeah, so it's um, so you know, like it's yeah. I guess, I guess it's all you know. It takes different strokes to make the world go around. I guess you know is what, what I'm saying. I suppose, but I think um, yeah. I think some of the things that we've said on the podcast in regards to scent and um and and fly fishing and it, and the um self imposed limitations. I mean, are all good perspective and i think a, a little yeah. bit of a, a caveat maybe of, of you know so people don't think that you know well who cares if they do but i mean like so but but you're trying to illustrate that you you're only considering this for brim you know like it's not yeah not the sort of thing you're going to do on everything else and you and you are a very experienced fly fisherman as well it's, you know as you as we've illustrated through the show here mm-hmm. you know but i think that for people that um this is where i really see a big problem with it. and i guess i'm going to be real clear with this you know is is that if we've got people that are influencing others uh, and their progression within the sport, like as an example, if we've got someone who's we know is new to the sport, because I mean, some people expose their entire life and 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 uh, and uh, progression of whatever they're into clearly in, and outline it in detail on social media, so it's not hard to see. So yeah. we could see someone that um, that's you know taken up fly fishing in that year, and is progressing and catching things that that other people of of you know ten years their senior are, are still struggling to do in the same situation, or you know they're they're um, you know they're they're filming behavior of fish that no one else has ever seen you know that 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 might might suggest that that either there's some other stimulant involved i think that it's i think it's 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 dishonest for those that are learning how to fly fish for those that they're trying to influence for whatever reason whether it's commercial interests or ego that they don't divulge that that's what they're doing so people can make a a, an uh uh an educated opinion of them i guess you could say and then not only not only to sort of i mean if someone wants to judge someone based on that, fair enough. But I mean, it's it they can make an educated opinion of them based on, based on the to, sorry, so they can then uh, assess their own progress, you know, and not beat themselves up, you know. Like if someone says, I, I want to, I want to go and catch, 
I don't know, let's let's just pick a species out there. Like, I want to go catch tuskies, you know, for example, right? And I'm yep. struggling to, to put the boat near these fish, um, but they might see a video with them just, you know, schooling up around a boat or something like that, or guys that have just started and just braining them. You know, yeah. how can how can those people how can those people um how can those people uh you know who are just learning put a measure to themselves of their own progress if they're influenced by those people that are doing it uh with a, with an advantage that they're not divulging? Yeah, Can I make myself sure. clear? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And that that was the point that I took away from your podcast. And you know, as I said, um it, it made me think about and and realize that I, I needed to be really specific about when I was using scent and when I wasn't using it because I had talked about it generally and in you know in previous videos but I suppose what really came across was that I, I couldn't just assume that people had watched that and knew that yeah yeah I, I understand what you're saying and I think that's um I think that's that's a, a very genuine approach that I don't think anyone could really you know um disagree yeah. with, you know like uh, I think uh, yeah it, what do you think Vols? one of those things yeah it's I've been quiet on on this, so you know, not on in, in this podcast. I've been quiet on online. I've I've been you know um, I've I've been looking at it from every angle. So, I mean, Chris will back me up here. I sort of number of times I've rung him up and going, man, have have we got this wrong? You know, like is it? You know, I, I'm trying to trying to think about you know where where I stand on it, and that's like your your use of it is based on you know one of your scenarios and as chris said you know you're clearly across a whole bunch of fly fishing you know trout bass etc etc pelagics um where you know where you don't need you know you don't need to use it and yeah yeah and you know a lot of my uh, you know in in that online discussion i i immediately pointed at sort of you know low volume high value targets like you know like permit bastards you yeah. know tuskies and things things like that um, yep. and I always prefaced it by saying, you know, it was, a it was a, uh, a personal decision, um, you yeah. know, and, and the rules, you know, exactly who, who does make the rules of fly fishing and do having, does having rigid rules, you know, advantage or, you know, the sport long-term and, you know, where would we be if people didn't bend rules and originally, you know, from from the original concept of, you know, uh, fly fishing was dry fly upstream, you know, for, for trout, yeah. you know, when, when did someone take it into salt water? When did someone go wet? <laughs> you know, when did someone decide to fish for X, Y, and Z, you know, or different casts and stuff yeah. like that, you know, and, you it's know, really, even, it is a really interesting sort of question, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, it, it, it is like, where does, where do these sort of slight bendings of the rule take, you know, take a place in, in the evolution of the sport? When does it change the fabric of the sport? Who decides if that's right or wrong, you know? And, um, you know, are, are we merely, you know, this is a rhetorical question for everyone, not specific to you, me or Chris, is are we just commentators on, on something we have very little control over, um, you know? Um, but as participants, you know, where do we, what, yeah. do we, what do we actually offer fly fishing by, yeah. by not talking about it? You know, yeah. Mm. I, I, I suppose for me, you know, the the question is about, you know, obviously we've got you know rules that we all have to obey about fishing, and there's competition rules and so on yep. that obviously have to be followed, and then there's the sort of self-imposed rules that uh, you know mm. of how we define something for ourselves. Um, I think what it comes down to for me is 
you know, I, I've heard the argument that, oh, you know, you wouldn't use scent on a fly because it makes it too easy. And I think in a lot of cases that might be right. Um, but I do think it's it's situational. Um, at the end of the day, for me, in this particular scenario, for this particular yeah. species, I suppose the question that I ask myself is, is it going to, you know, is it going to enhance my day's fishing? Am I going to go out and have more fun yeah. fishing that day or not? Um it's- it's valid question. Why, why do you fish? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know? I know essentially, yeah. you know, I think most of us just go fishing for fun, really. That's what I do. Um, but well, the, um, the, the challenge is in the eye of the beholder then, really, isn't it, though? Yeah, well, that's right. And the kind of fishing that, that I'm doing for Brim, you know, in the, lowing, in the lower harbour there, it, there's certainly no lack of challenge to it, you know. Yeah. Um, um, it just turns, it, for me, I suppose, it makes a difference between turning that into a fishery that you would bother to go and fish and have a mm-hmm. reasonable expectation that you might go out and catch a couple of fish or a fishery where you just say, oh, no, it, you know, it's not worth it. Mm. Yeah. Like there's, there's another school of thought in regards to uh, scent, which also leads us on to things like uh, leaders and, and, and stuff like that as well. And you could drag that back to IGFA standards, you know, yeah, and, yeah. um, one of the arguments I saw in that discussion was people, you know, like, um, you know, just chiming in pretty aggressively. I don't fish comps. And I, I don't care about the IGFA rules and things like that. Well, we, a lot of people don't fish comps who, 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 who might, I guess, yeah, you could, you could, you could look at the IGFA as a, um, uh, as, as, as a body of, 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 um, of anglers that create a standard that we all we, we can you can choose to you can choose to agree to or choose not to agree to yeah. but there are there are a lot of people that that do use that as a standard of measure you know the yeah. net if you like of the, of the tennis court so to speak you know like it's um you yeah, know, sure. yeah i mean it's uh, and and i think that um i think that people that that call those people elitists um, are probably more more along the lines of the of the elitist for uh, for not respecting those um, those ideals in any way, sure. you know. Because I mean, along <laughs> yeah. the, on the flip side, they're accusing other people of not respecting their ideals, you know. So it's yeah. uh, you know, um, yeah. So yeah, I do sort of, you know, I do absolutely sort of, you know, respect that those ideas. You know, for example, um, one of the things that I'm interested in possibly giving a try is uh, some competition fishing. So when I've been going out uh, practicing urine nymphing, for example, I'm making sure that I'm using a, a system that's legal for competition because I want to make sure that I can fish with that system. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think absolutely there are, uh, obviously, if there's any sort of comp or anything like that or anybody applying for records, then, of course, you, you've got to have those standards. Yeah. Um, whether we should all be applying those standards in our everyday fishing for fun um i don't know i think that's for everybody to decide for themselves really oh i agree i agree it, it is but i mean it is it is good that in um i mean the, you, on the flip side you look at conventional fishing you know and i, and I don't mean to segregate somewhat because there already is that level yeah. of segregation between fly fishing and conventional fishing but it's a free-for-all you know it's it's dominated by by uh by commerce almost you know to a degree you know um yeah. that that style of fishing i mean uh an industry introduces something like scent uh pros use it people yep. people people see it as advantage and and a, and a and a and a industry's created you know yep. but with with fly fishing you know with there's just there's no idea i mean actually i shouldn't say that 
there is IGFA in conventional fishing, but as far as the, the for fly fishing is concerned, there doesn't seem to be. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm drifting into the... somewhere where I could I could argue if, if it was <laughs> myself listening to myself right there. What I'm basically trying to say is that that uh, the the rules. I mean, yeah. Well, okay. Well, maybe th- look at it this way: the rules imposed on on IGFA on um on IGFA standards uh to to for people in tournaments seems to be adopted in recreational fishing and fly fishing more than it is in, in conventional fishing outside of people chasing records you know sure and yeah. um and i think that's a, i think that's a good thing i think that is a, you know like if there's a um it, you know if for me personally like i mean if i had no one to communicate with to or no instagram or anything like that and i knew that like um that as an international standard that um, that people would consider this to be a notorious capture if I kept the the tippet under ten kilo, and I did it, you know that would yeah. be that would be a, a great achievement. Some 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 part of me, if I you know I've I've got some pretty decent bar in my time that you know like I'm sure would probably give give it a nudge, you know. But I'm fishing mm-hmm. straight through sixty, and I'm I'm pretty aware of that. And I think <laughs> to myself, there's no way I could get I could have got that fish. There's no way I could have put the brakes on a. On a on a dollar ten barrel, you know, or something like that, or even some bigger ones, and so that with with ten kilo, you know. Yeah. But I think to myself, the guys who have, that's epic. And if I did that, I think to myself, like, man, I I'm, I'm the man, you know, I, I've killed it. It'd be so satisfying, personally, yeah. for myself. So I think that that um that it's great for for that to have. I guess you could you could I mean, I talk about not using scent, but there I go talking about using a straight through sixty pound liter for barrel and impoundments. You know, yeah. that's that's <laughs> me using that's me using scent. Well, it's Essentially, a slippery slope, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, it is. Yeah. It's um, it is. You know, like it's uh, that's 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 me using scent right there. Really, at the end of the day, you know. And I know a lot of people that that won't use scent. That that will, if I said to them, yeah, but I use a sixty pound leader, oh, that'd be right. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's um, you know, at the same time. So I mean, it, it is a slippery slope somewhat. Um, yeah. but at the, at the end of the day, like you know, people who, who choose to use scent on their flies and listen to someone like myself saying that I wouldn't use it, got to understand that um, you know. It's a personal choice to use a sixty pound leader and not use scent, you know. That's for yeah. sure. And so, and I can't, I can't begrudge anyone for, you know, I don't, I don't care if people electrofish out in the water. I wouldn't like it happening near me, but I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's um, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. For sure. Look, at the end of the day, you know, I think most of us we just want to go out and catch some fish and have some fun, you know. And if if that's about setting the level of the challenge at wherever it's fun for us individually then you know people should go for it yeah yeah i guess that's what it all comes down to i suppose but i think it's um you know we just got to divulge that you know it's um yeah totally yeah and it's uh i think uh, so people can so people can um measure their measure their progress against people that they're influenced by yeah in, in a true fashion yeah yeah hmm. yeah it's, it's a fair comment it's a great discussion you know i've um my, my views are, are sort of, um, pr- you know, shaped by suboptimal experiences where I've, I felt like I let myself down. Like I, I spoke about that, the GT I caught off a mackerel boat once and, you know, was is effectively a chummed fish, um, yeah. you know, and I'd sort of, i got to go back and do it again without the without the scent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm not going to Mondrian to, to try and beat my record with 10 kilo volts, just letting you know. But, okay. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back with straight through 60 pound and a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah, you go. Even, 60 yeah. pounds but even. It's all, it's all about what, whatever, you know, whatever is enjoyable for you. If um, if that's going to be really satisfying for you, yeah. to, you know, go back and catch that fish without, without the chum, then go do it, man. 
yeah, that's mm. that's what it's about. It's a it's a personal thing, and yeah, yeah. I, th- I think um, it's good to have these conversations as long as everyone can stay respectful. Yeah, and um, you know, and that uh, yeah, Chris spoke about it, and, and once again, I um, I congratulate you on on you know being so good about it, mate. It's been a, it's been a really fascinating chat in that regard. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, it has. It's yeah. been a really really interesting conversation. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, look, I I really hope that, I mean, judging by that discussion, I think a lot of those people who commented probably don't listen to the podcast either, but um, um, (laughs) because some of the, some of the, uh, some of the comments directed towards us were were uncharacteristic, you know? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a little unfortunate. Um, um, Yeah. I I do feel a little, a little responsible for that. No, no. Well, I mean, geez, you couldn't have been, you couldn't have been any clearer. Like everyone who commented in that direction, you're like, no, 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 just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not saying that about these guys at all. And, you know, it's, um, so, I mean, that was one of the things that, it, I mean, no, no one likes getting personally attacked, obviously. And me and Volts were discussing that, like, you know, every one yeah. of those comments that people made in regards yeah. to us, you know, at, um, but then again, you know, you just go to their page and you ask yourself, do you respect this person? And I think to myself, <laughs> not, a, not really. At, uh, so then um, it's just water yeah. there. I quickly just, <laughs> I, just <laughs> I, I, can't actually, I can't actually remember any of those people that said that. So I, you know, I'm only joking. As, um, as, we, as we all know, you know, social media is just a minefield for things coming across all wrong. Yeah. Yep. I, yep. I worry about, you know, my kids are at an impressionable age and, you know, I worry about when they become a little bit, you know, caring about what other people think or, or, or look on social media and, you know, I, we, I always joke that um, that you know the, I don't want my kids, my wife, or my mum to listen to the fly line special. <laughs> <laughs> That's what editing's for. <laughs> yeah, it was truly a, a low point for us. Yeah, but uh, anyway, we joke about it. Yeah, but we left it up. We left it up. Still there. You can all go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Talk about getting seasick, and we left the fly line episode up. Yeah. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yep anyway now nah, look um <laughs> now nah, steve look mate i think um i think it was good to to have this discussion uh you know as you know we, we purposely avoided this off uh off air this discussion yep. so it was good to good to get it out and yeah, i think um i think everyone involved makes pretty valid points and i think it'd be i can't really think of any sort of um mindset that we haven't really represented here in this discussion to be honest with you only those who just think we're all weird for fly fishing. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. It's a really interesting <laughs> discussion. And, you know, I think there's, there's valid points on, um, on all sides of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, Steve, um, mate, mate, I think for the at the beginning of the show, we said we were going to call you Peachy, but we haven't called you Peachy at all. So I'm just going to say, <laughs> hey, listen, Peachy, um, mate, we... <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, mate. We've been we've been talking to you for an hour and fifteen now, and it's um, you know, uh, it's about it's about the um, it's gone a bit yeah, a bit longer than um our standard show because it's been so interesting. I think we've uh, had a great show, and I hope people got a lot out of it, mate. And I just want to say thanks for uh, joining us tonight and making the time. Oh, look, my pleasure, mate. And you know, thanks very much for having me on. Um, you know, I've been listening to the show for quite a while now, and uh, yeah, it's great to come on and be part of it. But thanks for your support, mate. It's it's been uh, it's been our pleasure having you on, and um, yeah, we'll we'll throw up links to your your socials, your YouTube, and your um, your your growing Instagram page, so that our, our <laughs> listeners can um, can go along and and suck the essence out of those peaches. Yeah. So. God. Did you have that written down? 
Did you write that down before the show, Valsy? Yeah. Well, At no. the end of the show, I'm going to say, suck the essence out of those peaches. <laughs> I really think you probably should have thought that one out a lot lot better, mate. Yeah, but, I know. It sounds gross. But it was a good attempt, mate. I do encourage <laughs> this sort of thinking. Um, all right, cool, man. Well, all right, Steve. Well, mate, let's let's get out of here. We'll, we'll uh, no doubt talk to you soon, and thanks for your time. Awesome. Thanks very much, fellas. Okay, yeah, mate. See- You do the outro, man. You do the intro to the outro. Do the intro to the outro. Yeah, yeah. Don't mix it up, though. Get the outro to the intro done. Correctly. Okay. I'm going to do it right. right now. Yep. Start Steve. with welcome back or something. Yeah, welcome back, yep. listeners. And uh, Steve Peach. Steve Peach was wonderful. What a good guest. What do you yep. think? Steve yeah. Peach, not to be confused with Chris Peach, was great. Yeah, yeah. He, he really put his best foot forward. I loved yep. it. Yeah, entertaining guy and uh, obviously making his own content too so deserves their respect and a follow and slip over to his page and have a perf Uh, Uh, (laughs) i was just about to agree then but i don't agree you head over there and have a perf yeah well you know yeah get over there and have a a look you know check out what he does check out his star if you're in sydney and stuff like that and you haven't seen his youtube channel and you're into uh bread and butter species or just species of uh local accessibility you're missing out. It's a great, it's a great YouTube channel, that's for sure. Good resource, yeah. Mm. It was good to get him on, mate. Like, I mean, you know, as we spoke to, as we said at the end of the interview, there, um, you know, the the catalyst for having him on was that discussion that was sparked up on Facebook that he started. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it is interesting that because that was just a passing comment when we talk about Sam Hine in in memory. I I, I don't think it was a big part of the, of the discussion at all. It was just a a sledge that might have gone for like you know maybe a minute um i so, don't remember it to be honest yeah mate. you know like a part of me felt guilty that it that it um that it snagged up on someone like that you know because he's such a nice guy but yep. at the end of the day where we are standing here right now uh, in beast studios i'm glad the subject came up because there's, there's obviously a lot of people who got a lot of opinions in, in regards to it that's for sure yeah yeah mm. and there's some really valid opinions and uh well i should say everyone's opinions valid um some were probably more considered and well more, than others <laughs> <laughs> well that's very generous of you um yeah yeah some people's opinions yeah well I, what i do is i like to go to their profile have a look through it and feel as if have i got any respect for them before <laughs> i take upon their thoughts and criticisms yeah yeah, yeah. that's just that's just me i, I don't suggest that yeah, there's Perfect. an element of judgment there. Some people find unpalatable, but yeah, I, I well, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't start to participate in that unless it's you know, th- you know, yeah. put upon me in the first place. That's true. Know? Yeah, they they chose to throw the first stone, so you yeah. know, yeah, eat a dick. Yeah, eat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go, mate. Uh, it, was, it was really good. So that out of the way, you know, is is the scent subject dead now, or is it going to keep coming up further and further? Well, it, maybe it does, but it, as long as everyone relaxes, just stays calm and, and is respectful of of people's opinions, then, yeah, you know, maybe it's healthy to be having these chats. Don't Yeah, 
And yeah. I guess before people come at us like they have in the past, just just maybe listen to the show twice and just say to yourself, are they having a go at me personally? You know? Um, so maybe that's that's a good question to ask yourself before putting your opinion out there on, online. Yeah. Or dobbing on your mates to us. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that part's really cool, actually. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I do enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, that was uh we did get we did get a few um mm. um right. prime prime watchers hotline callers, that's for sure. Is that what the that what the hotline is? <laughs> oh no, yeah. Prime watchers, right? Isn't just, it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh well. You know, we've spoken in, in previous uh previous episodes in regards to the changing seasons and and you know what's what's coming up. Okay, okay, man, I'm pretty excited about this um, this season, mate. It's um, yeah, winter. I look forward to summer when it comes up. I always seem to look forward to those seasons as they come around. But uh, I think you're you an know. optimist at heart, mate. You look forward to autumn for the tuna, and you look forward to winter for the for the dewies or the snapper, and then you look forward to spring for the for the toga fishing until they uh, go into breeding mode. You know? Yeah, uh, we're yeah, pretty I'll... blessed when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to it. Is a certain amount of um, anxiety though you know you've got to be like it's happening it's coming across really fast you're aware it's happening it's almost like a like a uh, a due date almost that's um that you that's not sort of it's not firm either you just know at this time of year if if if, mm. if a window of opportunity arises you've got to just make it happen you know yeah, it's uh, true. you got to take yourself i mean it's it's a really hard thing to adjust to taking yourself out of the comfort zone to a vampire lifestyle that i adopt over winter that's for sure <laughs> I tell you, man, like it's, it take, you know, like the first couple of, first couple of night sessions, you're just like, man, so I'm gonna, it's starting to get cold outside. I could be having a hot meal, watching something on Netflix and just slowly falling asleep on the couch and having a good night's sleep. Or I could be battling the conditions, you know, freezing, freezing my ass off, hungry, no food, just casting all night. But sometimes the rewards are so worth it. And it might only be one fish, you know, but it's just enough, you know. And I think that, um, I think you there, mate? Who, who watch results on Instagram and they see someone holding up a, a tank fish, not knowing all the bits and pieces that go through it. That's, that's part of the, that's part of the, that's, that's part of the personal satisfaction that enduring all those hardships for it. I reckon I, re- yeah. I really is, you know, like it's, there's something, there's something that puts a smile on my face, uh, a making it home at those hours and not not running off the road um but um but yeah just just that 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 hardship of just you know it's such sorry to comfort zone you know like it just it just i just i like it i really do okay so here's here's something that i'm going to put a scenario to you do you think it's do you think the satisfaction is directly proportional to the amount of effort or the amount of challenges that are overcome to get that fish can you say that again so the harder you have to work for a fish, does that make it more enjoyable for you? Yes and no. Um, yeah, like I said, we were talking with Steve in regards to I, I understand why he's 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 um, drifted off pelagics for for brim. You know, I, like man, it, that's I can really relate to that at this stage of my life and my stage of my fishing career. Not not so much the species themselves, but. You know, like it's, uh, I mean, we joke about it when we're out fishing for tuna as an example. You know, it's really, it's real ADD fishing. If you don't see something for 10 minutes, you're just like, oh, this is, this is, this is terrible. I'm going in, you know, but, um, 
you know, like it's my, my mindset has really swung around to now that a um, a session, one session, like one one night session or one day session, isn't the end of the session, so to speak. So my my definition of a session now is is a target species, uh, a, a a large degree of learning and a success, and that's what I want from it. You know, do you know what I mean? Like so, if I would had never caught a jewfish before. I would pine for it. I would prepare for it. I would put myself in a in a in a in a out of a comfort zone. Like I'd go mm-hmm. and fish somewhere I've never been before, you know. Like yep. even even navigating that and finding a boat ramp, wondering wondering what kind of like, you know. So my mate, like my mate Macca says, there's only two people at a boat ramp at three a.m. in the morning. That's fishermen and bloody weirdos, you know. So <laughs> you just don't know what sort of boat ramp you're going to be at. You know, sometimes you're by yourself. Sometimes you're with people that you think to yourself. What good is that idiot going to be if something goes down here anyway, you know? Yep. And um, so, you know, there's there's that, you know, so like that that whole journey, like that that whole navigating a new river and new, that new spots to, to come up trumps and to, if, if you go out on the first time and you make that happen, that's great. I mean, like it's, um, I mean, we spoke about a few episodes, like that, that, that thready I got in that eight, on that brand new eight way, you know, like that was a brand new spot. That was a that was a theory. That was a, that was a lot of discussion with people new in the spot, background. New rod, yeah, you know. new spot, new rod. Like that was that that's a perfect scenario. Yeah, a lot that of was, things to overcome. You had Alex in the boat. Yeah, had Alex. You know. Oh, mate, terrible at netting. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, great photographer though. Uh, happy birthday, Alan too. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been away and uh, in the Northern Territory, back in Brisbane this week. And, Is he um, okay? He didn't tell me. Obviously, for good oh, reason. Got, I guess got he, a message from him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, no. Take a ticket, pal. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So just you know, joking, look, Alan. Yeah. So my, yeah, so my, so did I answer? You, did I answer, you, answer your question? Maybe I didn't no, answer directly. No, no, you, you've did verbo- you've verbastabated about it. You well, know, your like, question was was the result directly proportional to the amount of effort that I put in? Yeah, it was the satisfaction. Like, you know, so the harder something is to catch, does that you know make it more memorable or more satisfying you know but well i was explaining like the effort that goes in and, and how much time i allow for that uh proportional reward yeah that's cool man that's, with that's, me? like it's you know, oh, yeah that's no, peripheral and i hope you're gonna get to your point so go no i have i just i explained that i i, I expect a couple of days from myself you know I, oh. I i i expect a couple of sessions like i might expect you know three or four night sessions if I was chasing a new species, the more I've narrowed them down now, I want, I definitely want results every time I go out now. Um, yeah. But, you know, for someone who's listening to this going, man, I don't know how, like, someone could go out, you know, twice a week, launching at 10 o'clock and coming in as the sun's coming up, you know, and then go to work the next day. Well, it's not fun. That's for it's not sure. fun. And, you know, it's it's not sustainable over a period of time, you know. No. Well, it's, it's not for everyone. Age. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not for everyone. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's um it's bringing on early onset dementia to be, to me to be honest with you. Like as you can see through the interview, I'd be just talking. Then where was I again? You know, yeah. I'm sure that's deep sleep deprivation. <laughs> I would suggest that anyone who's who's looking to do this don't ever listen to the to the Joe Rogan sleep podcast either. Have you ever heard that, Bolts? That show? No, no. Tell me about it. Well, I'm not going to tell you about it because it'll be quite verbose. But I can tell you. The gist of it, and that is that it's um, it was just a sleep analysis an analyst or uh, sleep someone who studies sleep and what it what it does what what why we need it what it does um, you know how it, it's just there's just I can't even begin to explain it. it's so complex 
that you'll you'll want to get eight to nine hours sleep every night. I tell you, man, I, I really focused on sleep after I heard that, and I try to ignore that show now that I fish at night. <laughs> try to put it out of your head. You one of the things, because one, eh? one of the things is you can't add up sleep. You know, he says on that show, you know, like you can't like I'm going fishing, I'll just get four hours now, and then and then I'll get two hours sleep before I got to go to work next day. It just doesn't work that way. If you can't link up, yep. you know, for some people it's six hours, some people want nine hours, some people can like in a a very slim um, genetic pool can handle five hours sleep and function perfectly. But for most of us, it's, it's um, you know, seven to eight hours is ideal. Yeah, right. And if you can't link that up together and get that full, you know, those different cycles of sleep happening, um, it's really, really bad for you. It's got to be in one head, has it? Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. So, you know, for someone like yourself who's in white collar, you'd, you'd still have one of those power, power nap tents in your office, right? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know. Oh, oh, sorry. I just, yeah. I, I mean, I, I can remember being on work sites, looking in the buildings and seeing guys in suits just with uh, power nap sort of tents set ups in their offices, right? I thought you were one of those guys. What? Uh, maybe it was a, maybe it was like a, it's a really old school sort of concept, but um, I believe that executives at one stage were, were understood, it was understood that the power of like a 10 minute power nap was beneficial to their productivity in the day. And they actually had, Tents, yeah, like a tent. privacy tent. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. What else happened in those tents? Do you reckon? Oh, who knows, mate? What's what happens in the tent stays in the tent. <laughs> Hold all my calls if you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. No, nah, look. Uh, yeah. So no, nah, pretty excited about the change of season, man. And yeah, um, yeah no, nah, snapper too. That's that that's coming on. That's um, snapper are probably the easiest. One of the easiest, if you can get a fly down to them, you can understand their habits. Snapper are probably one of the easiest fish to catch on fly, believe it or not, I reckon. Right, okay. One of the easiest. Well and truly. Up there with um, bread flies with brim. Because, <laughs> well, you don't do anything. Like, you know, the, one of the biggest the biggest problems you can have with catching a snapper on fly is moving the fly too much, swimming it too much, you know? If you can if you can chuck it out and let it, let it sink down slowly, like in deep water with an intermediate line or like a heavy fly to pull it down, um, yep. So it doesn't snag up on the bottom, and there's schools of snapper there. There's a very good chance that it'll just pick up a stationary fly. That's for sure. I think yep. um, I think colours are more important. Like uh, Max Garth pointed out a few. I used to do a fair bit of snapper on fly back when when uh, Max was around. God rest his soul. You know, um, is uh, you know like and he explained a lot about glow and and chartreuse and contra- contrasting colours. And I remember when I was fishing with Andy Vockley, used to muck around back in the day when we named. Um, the Andy's Toga Destroyer, we had a, um, a a snapper vampire as well. You know, it was um, glow. Yeah, it was just, all it was, was just a, a like a 5-0 Clouser, white bucktail on the belt, on the body, then um, the contrasting colours with chartreuse and a black overwing and um, and glow-in-the-dark flash. And it used to just kill it all the time, eh? You know, just doing nothing. Yeah, right. I was only explaining to um, Jake who was fishing the other night about this because he was he, he, he um, displayed some interest in it, and I said for the first couple of times I, I would I couldn't catch a snapper because I was chucking in I was stripping in like I was fishing for bass or something like that right, um, mm. and then one day I, I got a knot in my line and I'm just trying to get it out and and the thing took off, and I was like oh great and it wasn't very satisfying to pull that fish in you know it was just a you know it was a squire I guess you know fifty to sixty centimeter fish sort of thing you know anyway mm. and um. Um, so the next couple of times I went out and I fished it the same way and, and it wasn't until I heard that someone was saying that 
they let the rod holder do the work with their soft plastics that I started realized that that time I hooked that one with that in that knot that it did it so you know like um that it ate it because it was a fly that was doing what a soft plastic does in a rod holder I guess you could say yeah um, right. and it did it man it just just yeah caught a few it was um then it became unsatisfying <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah. I know some people will, will burly up for them and bring them up to the back of a burly trail um and you know whatever floats your boat but um I think that the shallow water snapper, um, I'm sure they need a moving fly. It's not enough water to, to drift it down. But if you're finding snapper in, you know, five or six meters of water or something like that, or 10 meters of water, or, you know, even deeper, like 30 meters of water, and the, and the fish are sitting at, at you know, 15 or 20, you know, fly is incredibly effective. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, you want that slowest sink as possible too, really. You don't, I mean, you don't really need a, a fast sink line. You're not really covering ground like you are with bass, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're reading on a drop. Yeah, no, like, I mean, you, like, you imagine, like, it's, uh, you know, like, you're not anchored up. You're drifting over a, a patch, you know? So if if it's wind against wind against tide and the wind's pushing you against the tide, so to speak, if one's stronger than the other, mm. well, then your fly is going to be heading out on, on an angle, you know? The best thing to do is to be casting in front of your, funnily enough, casting in front of your drifting boat, so you're not you're not got the tension on the line, so the so the fly is almost unobstructed completely. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's that's the that's the best way to cast from. Like if you know, like because if you're if you're letting the wind or the current letting you almost troll that fly, then the the fly is uh, moving, like you're imparting action on it, like sort of in a way by trolling. I suppose you could say it's not yeah, as effective. Yeah. It's not as effective as a fly that's that's that's. Um, let's see if I can get you here. Floating to the bottom. Um, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not as effective as a fly that's floating to the bottom, unobstructed. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. floats to the bottom faster? Three eight size or five sixteenths, mate? Both <laughs> <laughs> falling for it again. Ah, you're too good, Volts. Too good, mate. Yeah. So yeah, something to look forward to in, in winter. And I think uh, Snapper, what are they going to do? That's all the way from Mackay, all the way around to uh, the southern states, all the way around to, oh, is it the same season? I don't know, man. All I know is, all I know is what I know. Yeah, we'll get, them, my get them all the way around to Shark Bay. Shark Bay, Shark Bay to Mackay. Yeah, Mackay. Yeah. Shark Bay to Mackay. <laughs> but not in New Zealand. Not in Unzud, you know. What happens in Unzud? Oh, no, that's right. they got snapper over there. What I'm thinking of. course of, they got snapper over there. Flathead, brim, and whiting. They don't got those. <laughs> lucky Bad, them, lucky eh? Kiwis. Yeah, lucky them. Or bass. <laughs> I love yeah. New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. Flathead, the new vermin, right? The estuary vermin. <laughs> yeah, unless you, I mean, unless you're targeting flathead, it's the one fish that you pull up and go, flathead. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool to target them, though. Yeah, good for sort you. of, sort of good for the kids. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suckers, suckers for artificials. That's for sure. Yeah, true. at least school size ones, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're well. right. I probably am the optimist because then I just started thinking of early spring and those big fatties that hang around the river mouths on with big flies. That, that that that's pretty cool for flathead. Where do you reckon them big fatties go during winter? go deep and they go further up the systems you know they just do what they just uh i think i think they're the sort of fish that um 
aren't going to forage. They're going to look for that one food ticket item. And I think that they'll they'll live in areas where they can pick off a, a whiting or something like that. They're only around the river mouths to congregate to breed, you know. But uh, I think they'll just disperse out depending on um, on availability of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm always curious. Where yeah. You don't hear many caught during winter or other periods of the year, but they, you know, certainly that springtime. Oh, my PB... I got a 92 flathead on on a clouser in Coochin Creek uh, in winter, and that was that was pretty far up. Oh, well, it's not far up. I mean, it's once we so I was catching jewfish in the same in the same hole, but um, yeah, I thought Ooh. it was a jewfish when I took off like a cut snake. It was it went, they went really hard that flathead actually. Mm. Yep, yeah, I would I would wager nearly as hard as that that meter thready actually. Yeah, right. Nah, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make people who catch flathead feel better about themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Flatty affirmation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say that it probably was uh, you know, three quarters of the speed of that most recent long tail that I caught. <laughs> no. Man did a jump too. <laughs> have you seen those have you seen those tarping in the keys? Like the videos of those yeah, things that yeah. happen like Well think of that, but yeah. think of like a like a, a, a much flatter head and a brown yeah. top. <laughs> <laughs> how ridiculous yeah but, yeah mm. mate was there anything else you that you wanted to cover in this show i mean we're, um, we're, we're not exactly like um breaking records for for length of show either so you know feel free to to, to um speak your mind permission to speak freely thank you for the uh permission to speak freely i'll um i'll take it on board i i I don't have anything else, man. I think we're done, aren't we? I think we're done, bro. Yeah. All right, cool. Is it bra or bra? That's a good question. Is it B-R-A, B-R-A-H, or B-R-U-H? I think bra is very Australian. Bra is uh, very American. Right. Bra. Yeah, which is, you know, we're a very international podcast. I'm not saying one's better than the other, bra. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I think uh, I think bra is very. Hey Mike, can you can you spare us a ciggy bra? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, <clears throat> bro. Yeah, it's a bro. It's a bra. Yeah. Either way, I'm sure we'll get the lingo one day, Volts, and be cool. Hopefully, man, it's getting harder and harder given our advancing age. Yeah, We're yeah. On the wrong side of forty these days, so. Heck yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 uh, yeah. Who knows? Anyway, um, let's wrap this puppy up. All right, millions of peaches, peaches for free. Man, that would have been the greatest intro song. I've just totally blown. I don't want to do it now. Nah, play, play the regular shit. You know. I will, mate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Little known fact: Steve is a uh, is a, a well accredited composer, and I'm sure that. Like it probably burns his ears the music we play on this podcast, but um, <laughs> we should have asked him that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we should have. He's, he's a, a very, very well respected and highly trained musician, and here, yeah. us, here we are playing dirty metal and punk rock. That's it. Anti elitist music. We're just trying to scare the elitists away. It's like it's like garlic for vampires as punk rock is to elitists and fly fishing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's coming. Yeah. Oh, congratulations to the Mamrock family too. 
I almost forgot. Yeah, Dan Mamrot. The, their family grew by one. Their wolf pack grew by one. He's married. Why did you laugh at him, man? I felt really bad for him. You're like, congratulations. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha. That's how many ha, ha's you wrote on the post. Look at him. He looks so what? happy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> His wedding day. Man, Rot ties the man knot. He's just sort of... <laughs> <laughs> he looks so happy. I'm no, honestly, I'm stoked for him. Congratulations, Dan, and um, and and the rest of your family. It's uh, and your lovely wife too. It's fantastic, Dan. I hope that's an acceptable uh, turnaround <laughs> for Volte's attitude towards you. Uh, all from all of us here and the staff and the production crew and the uh, and the grips and the the audio crew here at the um, Intermediate Line. We wish you all the best and congratulations to you. And your lovely wife, and we wish Mr. and Mrs. Ma'am all the best into the future. So true. Congrats, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, disclaimer, Volty does not feel the same way. <laughs> Look at him. See him laughing. What an animal. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> there right, you go. Man, we've got a burly storm happening here. Um, I'm going to have to go. I've got to go and um, tie up all the, uh, the sheep and the horses. All right, mate. See you no. later. All right, see you later.